0: Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Dr. Gene Boreson. And I'm Dr. Steve Schlossman. And we're child psychiatrists at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Here's what we'll
1: talk about today. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about something that I'm sure is shocking news to you, and that is the seeming decrease in civility that has especially characterized our political discourses over the last maybe 18 months, but also I think is pervasive throughout our entire culture, not just in politics. And this came to mind, as Gina and I were talking about this, when I was trying to describe to my daughters, now ages 16 and 11, that I never want them to behave the way potential leaders of the the free world are behaving
0: it was funny Steve I was just interviewed today by uh, parents magazine and I was talking about I was asked how can we teach preschoolers to uh, not to avoid peer pressure and I was talking about the behaviors that we should teach them to be pro-social. They should share. They should not call names. They should be attentive to other kids' needs. They should be respectful. And I said – Shut up. I said, you know, we should definitely, when parents are watching the news, turn the damn TV off because they're going to see stuff that they are definitely not supposed to do because what we've been seeing is just – what's it's shocking. But, you know, you said it's pervasive in our society and I think – so I was thinking – now, we we know about the political craziness of lack of civility, and we can talk about that. But I was thinking, what else is going on that may be reinforcing this or may even be preceding this? And the first thing that popped into my mind was reality TV. I mean, what could be more shocking and lacking in civility than some of the shows that we all know about, and we all watch them, and we know they're scripted, but they're scripted to be – uncivilized, and that's really appealing to the public.
1: Yeah, yeah, so let's let's be clear. I I don't have a problem with people watching TV. I love TV. I don't have a problem with people watching you reality probably TV. probably watch
0: more TV than anybody I know.
1: I, I might. I might. The difference here, I think, that, and the difference we're trying to make is the way people might incorrectly perceive reality TV to be reality. It is not. There's a camera in the room. There's a villain. There's a character. There's the same story arches that we're used to seeing. But because it's billed as being real – People take in the clear cattiness, the clear lack of civility that they see as being representative of how people ought to and behave.
0: people are generally nasty to each other. Yeah. That's it, it, part of the script is that there's got to be somebody who's really, really, really nasty and somebody who's a victim. And who gets nailed in one
1: way or another. Right. So, yeah, we can look at reality TV and we can say maybe it started with this and we don't have to get political. But it does occur to me that one of the two candidates was the host of a reality TV show. Um, I'm not saying that I neither support nor don't support, although I don't support that particular candidate. I'm happy to say that because we're allowed to civilly disagree. You're fired. Thank you for that. Um, I'm glad to be fired lying, Gene. (laughs) Um, So, uh, look, things have gotten ruder. They've gotten ruder on the freeways. They've gotten ruder on the airways. When I first moved to Boston, I would do this experiment coming from the sort of wholesome Midwest where I grew up. I would listen to NPR, where it was very highbrow, and then I would switch to the AM radio to listen to sports, which I adore. And they were downright awfully mean. And what I found now is that that meanness seems to have leaked out of Boston sports radio and seems to be Almost everywhere now, or at least acceptable everywhere.
0: And you know, it's also it's also pervasive in the digital world. I mean, kids are saying nasty things to other kids via what it, whether it's you know Snapchat or Instagram or defri- You know, the worst thing is to get dissed or defriended. From uh, you know your favorite site. Well, do you
1: think also that that the digital world and this I guess is a sort of classic pre-millennial complaint? The digital world limits thoughtful discourse. So you can you can tweet right in one hundred and forty characters and say something pretty nasty pretty right quickly. And you actually don't even have to take credit for it. So there are ways to say things anonymously as well. You can troll sites and say some of the meanest, nastiest things you've ever seen. And you could argue, well, people are putting themselves online, so they are therefore likely to be right. trolled, if right. that's if that's the verb. But it does lead to this kind of culture where there's this constant uh, kind of Don Rickles show, this constant yeah. one-upsmanship.
0: Yeah, and, and so so what, what what comes to my mind is, you know, Back in the old days, and even now, people would be uncivilized, but you would know that it's uncivilized. So when I I remember growing up and watching professional wrestling. (laughs) Which was an act. Which was an act. And they said it was an act. I remember watching Killer Kowalski. I remember watching my favorite tag team wrestlers, and it was a parody. It was funny. They were meant to be funny. You knew they were acting. You knew they were exaggerating. But today... It doesn't seem like an act. It seems like this is the real world. And that's that's a kind of scary thing for our kids to grow up in where, where it's not necessarily an act. It doesn't look like an act.
1: So here's, here's the thing, though. I, I think it would be easy for us to pile on here, right? Like to say, oh, well, it's reality TV. It's the social media. It's the way uh, the World Wrestling Federation is no longer the Bulldog Bob Browns of, of my youth – I don't think that's entirely fair. I think it's only fair if we adults, because that's who the kids look to most often, start acting like the things we see on right, TV. Right. You and I didn't act like Starsky and Hutch when that was on TV. We, we knew that was a TV show. Something has happened so that we've imbibed these TV shows and become them. That's problematic. Right.
0: And so And so when Donald Trump uses very, very graphic disparaging terms about women, about minorities, about... Um, uh, just about an opponent, about anyone, yeah. um, a- a- and says it, you know, as if it's just you know a matter of fact, you know, and 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 uses those words so loosely in everyday conversation. What freaks me out about this is that if this were ten or twenty years ago, anybody who would have said that, I mean, you
1: dean, would get fired dean, for dean, working dean, at Applebee's. Dean right? of Vermont got
0: <laughs> nailed out of the candidate election because for he went, screaming for going
1: whoa. Right. whatever he nah, said that sounded pretty primal when I he did that. Jumped
0: off that. that'll that have to be uh, edited uh, he, he, but, had,
1: he did have a primordial he scream he a primal there.
0: scream and, and and he was booted out now compare that to what we're hearing now it's it's really it's really
1: uh, quite a different us so, so, let's, so let's do something here rather than uh, do what every other pundit is doing not that we're necessarily pundits but let's just assume for the sake of the fact that we're doing a podcast that we are pundits okay. or at least pundits in our own minds Let's – instead of complaining about it, why don't we make some suggestions on how to make it go away? Like what do we do to make the world more civil?
0: Well, for one thing, we can talk with our – I mean if you're a parent and your kid is old enough to watch some of these presidential debates, we can ask them what they think about what's being said, about interrupting, about name-calling, and about whether that would be tolerated um, in school. Whether they would tolerate that with their friends. I mean, I think with, with, with adolescents, I mean, when, when we're talking about kids here, you know, with teenagers especially, we would need to kind of watch the shows witch with them and actually discuss things with them and, and have them comment on it. You know, is this okay? Would you want to be treated this way? So one thing is just observing and talking.
1: And, and I would. Urge parents to do that, absent a partisanship. I, I don't right. think I don't think it's fair to say that people who are, say, to the right of center, because you and I have spent some time here dissing uh, Mr. Trump, which I think is legitimate, given the way yeah. he behaves. But that's not the same thing as disrespecting what some people think he stands for, and that's that's different. If he stands for racism and bigotry and insulting and lying, yeah, we're against that. If he stands for Republican core values. We're allowed to disagree with that.
0: Well, I, I go back, you know, to think to just to comment on that. I, I think back to uh, the old days. You know, I remember watching uh, William F. Buckley Jr., who um, was did not have the same politics I did, and started the New Republic, and was absolute. And I really got upset listening to him because he, was, he was so, so articulate good. and he was so smart. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like when I. I uh, the, the late, uh, just thinking off the top of my head, David Brooks. David Brooks, the New York Times reporter, is a conservative guy. But he's so articulate and he's so genteel and he's so, I think, he makes his arguments in a sensitive, logical, articulate, compassionate way. And at the same time, even though I may disagree with his arguments and his conclusions, his style, his manner, his approach is, is something that I have to respect because. You know, it, it it becomes a discussion that I could engage in.
1: Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It makes me, in a way, I never thought would happen. Um, Miss Ronald Reagan. Um, it, I, I gave <laughs> Reagan. I was not the only one, but there were a bunch of us in the student council. He visited my high school, and I gave him a giant pencil. We presented him with a giant pencil. And as much as I didn't want to like him because I didn't like his politics, and I was pretty alone mm-hmm. given where I grew up in not liking his politics. I wanted to hang out with him all day. Right. He he made me feel good about about well, it, myself. And it, it, it tells it was, you
0: something about civility, because civility is demonstrating respect. It's demonstrating, regardless of a difference of opinion. Exactly. I mean, the thing that, and I agree with you. I I was not a, a, a Reagan policy supporter. Um, I didn't believe in his economic theory and trickle down economics, or, or or many other things about about Reagan. But I did really appreciate the fact that he was calm and quiet and he was respectful and he told really good stories but he was he was a person that didn't lose control and could present himself in a very kind of humane way
1: yep M- much to our chagrin sometimes because it was so good he was so good at it but i would take that any day over the the sort of um, level that we've fallen to at at this point so i think i think the remedy to this really is a grassroots remedy. I think we have to, in our communities, not just say, person X is a jerk, person Y I hate. you got to give reasons for why you disagree. And they have to be well-thought-out reasons, the same way Mr. Buckley did when you heard him speak when you were growing up.
0: And I think we have to do role modeling at home. It's interesting. My, um, my daughter um, has twins. They're seven years old. And uh, at the dinner table, they were taught, before they said anything... To say, excuse me. (laughs) It's interesting. Even if if it was quiet and they were going to say something and they weren't interrupting, they would say, excuse me. Because they were taught that that is what demonstrates respect for everyone else at the table. And that's how they would begin their conversations. And, you know, at some level, we have to be role modeling things like this at home, we have to look at our own behavior. And our own discussions and our own commentaries, and I think try to kind of be, you know, as civil as we can.
1: Yeah, it, it, and not at the same time. I don't want people to beat themselves up when they fall short of that. It, Lord knows, I've driven faster than I ought to have when I've gotten angry at someone on the road. I've interrupted people when they're speaking. I've been rude. What's important is to come back later, recognize that you've done that, acknowledge it, and talk to your kids about why it happened and how you're going to try and stop it the next time. Well,
0: and apologize. Yeah, I mean, One of the things that I must say will go back to Trump, among others, uh, and even Hillary, who's made some unsavory comments. We know in medicine, for example, that if you make a mistake, if you get something wrong, um, we teach our medical students that – there's a real important power of apology. When you get something wrong, when you say something wrong, to use apology to reconnect with somebody and the appreciation of apology, when you receive an apology, it just feels
1: so good and so sincere, even if you've been hurt. So, so think about this. <laughs> I, I'm just laughing because, you know, as we wrap this up. I'm laughing because you're laughing. That's, that's very kind. It makes me feel good and special, Gene. Um. We're, we're actually giving the advice that you say, excuse me, or that you say, I'm sorry, or that you say, thank you. Like, this is concrete advice well, we're this, offering. Well, it's something mismanners. So that's what it's come to? Like, this makes me feel old that I'm saying, boy, I miss the days when people said, thank you, or I'm sorry, or excuse me. And I don't want to get too hysterical here. I, that still does happen every day when you go to a restaurant, when you go order coffee, when you walk down the town center, wherever you well, happen look, to I live. Mean, for
0: example, I, I, we, we've had residents from the South, I'm thinking of one or two in particular, who still to this day say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Excuse me. And they've been brought up that way because that's
1: the way you treat other people. I think it happens on the streets of Boston too. I don't think it's it's necessarily a Southern thing per no. se. I think we need to make sure that we don't have a kind of two-tiered system where we think certain places make it acceptable to be overtly rude.
0: And, you know, frankly, you know, um, even though uh, as much as Boston and New York, you know, tend to be enemies and New York tends to be a rough, gruff place. I mean, if you're walking down the streets of New York with a gazillion other people and of every different size and shape and color you can imagine, and, and, and people do tend to be a bit rough around the edges, edges, I found that you can walk up to almost anybody and say, excuse me, I don't, and, and they won't just brush you by, they'll say it in their own New York accent, they'll kind of be, they'll relate to you, and I appreciate Wait, that. Wait, so what's your point? No, my my point is is that, is, is, well, Northerners, I, I, I'm taking it back just about the South, I'm saying that, you know, you know, a New Yorker can call you a bum, <laughs> you know, you're in Boston, you're a bum from Boston, and he could say it in a way which kind of makes me feel like, okay, he respects me because I happen to root for the Red Sox. You know, one other – were a baseball fan. It was an act of civility when Mariano Rivera pitched his last game at at, at Fenway Park, and he got a standing ovation, and then he got a chair made of all the bats that were broken. As much as we
1: hate the Yankees, that was an act of group civility – wouldn't what, you say? Oh yeah, no. I just think it's an interesting world where we're turning to the New York Yankees as uh, and the Boston Red Sox as signs of civility. Like that's that's an interesting moment in our history. So let's model the what we're talking about as we sign off here. I would like to thank all of you very much for listening to us. Um, it makes me feel good that you heard us, and if we said anything that you found offensive or off-putting, we would love to hear from you, and we will do our very best to respond respectfully. I'm Steve Schlossman. I'm Gene bresson